This is the Date Night Podcast with Amber and Kurt. Welcome back to the Date Night Podcast. I'm Kurt. I'm Amber. Amber, your voice. I've got a cold. (laughs) You do have a cold. I'm sorry. You must feel awful. (laughs) That's not Amber. What's your name? My name's Joel. Joel Rohde, and I am a longtime listener, first time uh, (laughs) participant. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, Joel, you are a really good friend of mine. It's a a pleasure to get to podcast again with you. We we had a podcast. We did, yeah, for a long time. We did, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, So for listeners listening... Uh, that might most listeners aren't going to know you, Joel. Uh, so, Joel, say just a, just say a little bit about yourself. Give us your elevator speech. Okay. Uh, you have fifteen seconds to tell us who you are. Sure. And why you're here. Um, I am a dad and husband. I have four kids and a wonderful wife. I work at Northridge Community Church as the worship and communications pastor, and I do a lot of volunteering and helping out at Morningstar Academy. Yes. In Bettendorf. That was 18 seconds. Oh, so shoot. I don't... But, but, like I said, I'm, like, there's a, like, there's a pastor in that whole, like, work <laughs> title, so I get a couple more seconds. Yeah. Anytime <laughs> a pastor gets a microphone... Look out. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so, so all kidding aside, uh, Joel and I have known each other for, I mean, like coming up on, is it like coming up on 16 or 17 years? It was, yeah, 17 years, yeah. Yeah. Um, we've known each other for a long time and just, I, I love Joel so much. And I'm, I'm, I'm on a mini sabbatical uh, spending just the weekend with Joel. So we thought it'd be fun to podcast together. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Joel's a gift, so good to have you. Good to be here. So, I do miss Amber, by the way. Do you? Yeah, I just want to shout shout that out. Shout it out? Yeah, okay. Amber's my friend, too. <laughs> yeah, I think she would say the same about you. Some days. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think most days she would say the same about you. Some days, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> you did work together. We did work bit. together, so she knows. She probably knows me better than some on that. <laughs> just see me in my... At my worst. It's <laughs> true. We've we've all probably seen each other at our worst. Yeah. Yeah. And our best. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Joel, in typical date night podcast fashion, I want to start you out and the listeners out with with something that happened that maybe maybe you didn't know happened. Okay. And maybe our listeners didn't know happened. Um, we were just talking about the my my propensity to set Amber up with some questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know that I'm going to do the questions for you. I, I maybe just want to get your reaction to a story from Dallas. Okay, Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. Okay, not not the TV show Dallas. <laughs> okay, are you a fan? <laughs> oh gosh, I, I wouldn't call myself a fan. <laughs> Okay, uh, how many Dallas DVD series do you have in your home? Do you own any of them? No. Okay, not a fan. It checks out. <laughs> DVD. Yeah. <clears throat> Blu-ray. What are those? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What are those? So Dallas, Dallas, Texas. Uh, the first week of February, there's a young man named um, what's his name, Davian Irvin. He was arrested in Dallas. Have you heard of this story? Have you heard of Davy and Irvin? No. The only Dallas Irvin I would know is Michael Irvin. But he got arrested too. Yeah, yeah. And he, yeah. Had to... <laughs> he got into some trouble too. <clears throat> not, not, not related, I don't okay. think. Okay. All right. Uh, Davy and Irvin was, was arrested for a string of crimes that, that finally, finally the, the authorities, they, they tracked him down. He, he stole some things. Um, and and he, he, he left the scene with these items. He got on a Dallas uh, public transit train, and, and that's how they found him. They, they tracked him through the public transit system, and he was you know, buying his ticket and getting on the train and whatnot. Um, what, what, what do you think, if you were going to guess, what Davy and Irvin stole in a string of crimes, what do you think jumps into your what what first comes to mind when you hear string of crimes those little it's got to he's got to be taken from like gas stations and it's going to be little bottles of fireball because they're in like every gas station <laughs> they are Th- that's a good guess 
Uh, side note, did you know that Fireball is getting sued because they don't actually contain... I, yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> I feel gypped. <laughs> I'm just kidding. In the thousand of those that I've downed. Yeah, like, I bought cases from Casey's. Oh, wait, Casey. Yeah, you, you guys have Casey's. Different, over here. different sort of. Oh, that's right. You've got, yeah, you got Casey's Bakery. Casey's Bakery. Ooh, yeah. yeah. We, we also have Casey's Gas Station, but, but our default for Casey's is, is the bakery. Yeah, yeah, I remember the first time when we visited there and my wife, who had who has family in that area, mm-hmm. <laughs> goes, we should get Casey's Donuts for breakfast. And I'm like, why are you so excited about Casey's Donuts? Because all I had in my Average head. Average or best. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Nope, Casey's Donuts. Way different. Okay, anyway, good, good guess. Good guess. I'm going to give you a hint. Um, the things he stole, well, let me back that up. The, uh, the people reporting this crime, it, it was the Dallas Zoo. That he stole things from the Dallas Zoo. Does that give you give you a change of answer? It's obviously not Fireball. Uh, what do you think he would have taken? Maybe maybe those uh, those like things that are on a stick. It was like the alligator heads on a stick that where you <laughs> squeeze the bottom of it, the alligator head opens up, and you can like Good just guess. bite things with that. He's stealing yeah. those. <laughs> if, okay, side note, um, that's not the right answer. But if if you had one of those alligator bitey mm-hmm. things right now. What part of someone's body would you immediately go to to try to bite first? <laughs> go uh, to their to that skin on their elbow. <laughs> Good safe answer. Not the answer I was looking for. Um, <laughs> that's not where I'd have gone. But good safe answer. No, good try. Davian Irvin, um, he, in the, in the AP article, I'm going to quote this, he, sw- quote, swiped two monkeys from their enclosure, <laughs> took them onto the rail system, and made his getaway. Um, he stole two monkeys. Davian Irvin also said that he loves animals. He loves animals. He's trying to set these animals free. Uh-huh, yeah. And he, he then told the authorities that, that if they release him, he's going to steal more. Oh wow! He's gonna keep stealing these animals to set them to set free. Them free. Yeah. Well, yeah. Where's he setting monkeys free in Dallas? Well, it doesn't really <laughs> go into that, but he's he's uh, he's in jail. He's in jail uh, for uh, for stealing these animals, uh, and he's he's also been charged with animal cruelty, <laughs> which is ironic, right? <laughs> that is ironic. Um, it doesn't really say, uh, but he jumped he jumped a fence uh, late January, early February. Jumped a fence. Got into the into the zoo, cut the enclosure, and stole these monkeys, um, and then got on the train with them. Uh, they've since been recovered. The monkeys are back, and they're they're safe and sound. Uh, he he also um, uh, in his home has had cats and pigeons. They were found in his home, cats and pigeons, and also a lot of fish. And it th- he, they think those were taken from the from the zoo as well. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. So he's he's a regular like uh, Robin Hood for animals. <laughs> I guess not. Robin Hood. <laughs> what, what would the what would the metaphor be here? What would the analogy be? Mm, maybe a regular. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know what the analogy would be for that. Yep. Yep. So, 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 have you ever thought about stealing animals from the zoo to set them free? No, actually, that's never crossed my mind. Okay. Well, I just wanted you to know if if it does, you'll be charged. With burglary and animal cruelty. And animal cruelty. So don't do it. Well, it just strikes me as something where a zoo would be able to care for an animal better than me. It's just something I know about myself. (laughs) (laughs) I have four kids, and my capacity to care for things is pretty much maxed out right now with four kids. (laughs) I I would think a monkey would be pretty hard to care for. Yeah. Like a a person, almost. Yeah. (laughs) Almost. Almost. Yeah. Was that a statement on evolution that you just uh, made? Well, the almost means that it's not bearing the image of God. So, <laughs> <laughs> Fair. But in all other ways. In all other ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Joel, I don't know if you know it, but in Dallas, that happened. Well, that's enough about the monkeys. It's <laughs> enough monkey business, Joel. <laughs> nice. It was right there. It's, well, you know, that's a, you're right as a dad. 
to be able to make that joke. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's probably more. I don't have any more. Um, so, so let's talk about process a little bit. And that's a broad statement. But here's what we want to... Here's how we want to frame this conversation. You are a bit of a meat smoker. Yeah. Uh, one time somebody told me that once you turn 35, you have to choose between um, being somebody who's avid about smoking meats or somebody who's avid about World War trivia. So <laughs> I went with the smoking meats. <laughs> it's, it's just like the natural progression of manliness, I guess. <laughs> you're either good at smoking meats or you're good at World War oh, trivia. man. I, so I'd never heard you say that before. I thought I thought the second option was going to be um, like lawn care. I think that might actually, I think 35 is too young for that. 35 is too young. I think that's, that's what happens then later, like when, <laughs> when your kids graduate or something, like then you start worrying about your lawn. <laughs> I'm not close to that yet. I'm, it's going to take a lot to get me to care about my lawn, but... Uh, so, so that's a positive, like this is a, a sign of becoming more manly, the smoking mm -hmm. meat or the world war trip. I mean, that's my understanding. Okay. I'm not, I'm not an expert at what makes you manly. <laughs> 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 I, haven't, I haven't got that. So I just taken people's advice. <laughs> so, so you've begun to smoke meat. You also have shared with me that you have started making your own old fashions. Yeah. Which is also a process. Yes. I love that process. I've also just recently, I've, I have a friend who's just started to do this himself. And I, I like th this guy, he, he listens. Um, he stirs the, the drink 50 mm -hmm. times, not 51, not 49, 50 times. And the process of how he adds what, in what order mm -hmm. and all like, yeah, it, it's a pretty interesting thing. So, so what do you want to say about the the process involved in these two things. Cause these aren't things, whether it's an old fashioned or smoking meat or whatever else it might be that process is involved. Like this takes an intentional yeah. set of steps, right? Yeah. And I don't know anything about smoking meat. So you might have to say more about the process of smoking meat. I, I want to make it clear. I'm not an expert on either of these things. I just, in, I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think this idea of almost like delayed gratification in this kind of world where uh, it tends to be that we're not really happy unless we have it now. Mm. And in a world that uh, is consistently trying to make it so that you can have what you want as soon as you want it. I mean, you look at something like Amazon and it used to be that you had to wait X number of days to get your package. And now, yeah. like, yeah. The, as they go on, they're trying to get it so that you can get it that same day, no yeah. matter what, within hours, if, you, if they can. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but there's, there's something that's really pleasing about this, like, I know that I want this, and then there's this kind of, like, journey you have to go on to get it. Uh, you see that same thing with somebody who likes gardening, hmm. right? Like, there's this whole thing to it. And then eventually you get... The vegetables or the flowers or whatever it is you're growing yeah, yeah. Um, but really it's the journey that that tends to be the enjoyable part yeah yeah and yeah I think um, that one of the things for me I, I actually do a lot of people will do their smoking meats with a smoker I like doing it on a Weber grill uh, over coals and there's a way that you can do that and uh, I part of the reason I like that is because it is a when you decide that you're going to smoke, say, a brisket, you know that your day for the next eight to 10 hours is going to be sitting close to that grill. You can't go anywhere. You can't, like, you've just got to be right there. Yeah. And so maybe you can play in the yard with your kids, or maybe you can do things that can happen around that grill, but that grill is going, to, you have to babysit. And, um, uh, yeah, I enjoy that. I enjoy that part of it. Yeah. It's like everything else has to stop so that we can do this thing for a day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and and then at the end of it, you get brisket. <laughs> you it's know? Like delicious meat. Yeah, really good meat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, and so, yeah. So there's there's that. And there's that investment, too. Of you, you do have to do it because you spent a lot of money to get that meat, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's like, I feel like with specifically with um, an old fashioned, 
there's an art to it. You said your friend stirs it 50 times. That's, that's, there's an art to that. Yeah. Like he knows what he's doing. Yeah. My guess is he knows what kind of water is in the ice cubes. My guess is he knows, or, or in the ice sphere, whatever he's using. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. um, I don't, I don't know this. I want to know this person. Whoever you, you, you are, would, I want to know this person. You would love this person, I, and he would love you. Yeah, like because I because I understand that, um, and that's that's kind of beyond where I'm at. But like I get that. Yeah. And so what I want to get him is like an ice stamp or something that like you know oh. like that you want, right? Yeah. Does he have an ice stamp? Uh, his ice cube has an N in it. His it, last okay. name starts with an N. Okay. Uh, yeah. Which is. So, so I was, I was somewhere the other day and I shared with someone, oh, I've, I've started drinking these old fashions with this friend of mine. And, um, this person's first response was, oh, you can, you can buy like pre-made old fashions from yeah. the store. Yeah. And, and I think what felt so interesting is like, th there was no allure to that. Like, right. like I, I don't want to go to the store and it's not really even about the old fashioned. Mm -hmm. It's about sitting in this garage with this person that, that I'm watching and hearing the process. Like he's explaining to me, like th there's something about that. Like, sure, the old fashioned is really good when he's done, but there's something about the, you know, the 10 minutes it takes to sit and, and do this or five minutes or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah. Right. And, and then to hear his process and to hear why yeah. he's like, there's something about that. It's really not even about the drink. So, so I found that interesting when someone said, oh, you can buy these already. I don't really want that. Right. Right. I want the, the experience. Yes. And I want him to tell me the process and I want to understand why he does what he you, does. You want his old fashioned. Yeah. Because yeah. he's somewhere in there. And I know like that, that's so like, I don't know if that's humanistic or naturalistic or whatever. But like when you're putting care into something, it makes it different. Yeah, uh, we see that with every kind of art. Yeah, I think you can go to, you can go to Hobby Lobby and get great things to hang on your wall. You can also go to an artist who has poured themselves into their piece and yeah. buy it from them, and you're going to pay more, from most likely from the person who did it. But like, but there, there's a difference just in that. Yeah, yeah, um, and. And I think the I think with with mixing a drink, like there's a certain artisanship to it. Yeah. No one's going to make it exactly like they did that yeah. time. Yeah. And and smoking too, right? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. We um, maybe this is a side note. Have Have you ever heard of a thing called a raclette table? Do you know about this? I don't. Um, we had some friends introduce us to this about a month ago. It's a it's a Swiss way of eating and preparing food it's a a raclette table is like a like a tabletop griddle so like the top is flat but then there's a gap between the burner and the griddle and underneath there's these little like spatula looking things where you put cheese uh. so so you have little pieces of pork or beef or chicken and, and peppers and vegetables and things you put on top and griddle and then while that's grilling you have these little spatulas of cheese, and then when they're done, the cheese is like charred and cooked, yeah. and then you mix them together. But but you like it's a small thing, um, so so you you go back to this thing multiple times and try different combos because you're only making a little bit of food. Sure. Um, but the idea is that, that 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 this is an experience of of sharing a meal together. Yeah. Um, but it's the same sort of like this all this food had to be prepared to get into a space where we could just pick stuff out of these little bowls to put on the griddle. Um, but, but like I'm making my own food and, and we're all making our own food together. Yeah. And it takes forever. Like it, it was, it was an hour and a half. Yeah. Right. Um, but it just created a, a different sort of experience and a different sort of process than, Hey, we're going to cook all the same food and then we're going to eat it, you know, from the table. Like, in America, we normally would. Yeah. Um, Isn't that, the, just in food in general, food and drink in general, I think there's so much complexity to that and how it is interplayed with community. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and we like, we will, like there's, a, there's an aspect of food where it's just essential and you just need to eat. Yeah. And from a family that's sometimes leaves at 6.30 in the morning 
takes the kids to school, goes to work, does basketball and everything, and maybe gets home at nine o'clock at night. Like we know what a fast food restaurant is, you know, Um, and we don't we don't like it, but we have to resort to that uh, sometimes, and that that's too bad because you do miss out on the community. And studies have shown how important it is to sit down and eat with your family. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I think that that's just true with hospitality in general. Just Food is a is a very important part yeah. of community, I think. Yeah. And and like you see, like you have you ever been to one of these restaurants where you pick your meat out at the counter and then you go and grill it, and so everybody's standing around in this room with a giant grill and you're grilling your own food together. Like there, it's just fun. It's and just it's, fun. Yeah. yeah, and it's yeah. and you get to do it. It's you know, and but the food is almost secondary to the experience yeah. of of grilling it and being with people yep. and. Yep. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I've never smoked anything for the end result to be me eating that by myself. Mm. In fact, honestly, generally by the time it's done, me eating it is very, mm. whether I even, I, what I want is I want other people to like mm. enjoy this, like to, yeah. to, really? to have it. Yeah, uh, cooking, I- anytime. One of the things that happened <clears throat> when Pam started working full time at the school is we just kind of like looked at these different things that need to be done in the house. And she said, I need you to take one of these things because I'm just not going to be able to do it. And one of the options was cooking. And I said, I'll do the cooking. I'll, I'll be in charge of the cooking. And so for the last, uh, has it been five or six years or whatever it's been, that's been my job. And I was inexperienced beforehand. I could cook like macaroni and cheese from yeah. a box, you know. But since then, I've like really like learned how to cook. And I love it, but honestly, by the time I'm done making a meal, I really want to see other people enjoying it. Interesting. That. It's not. It's not for me. I like. Huh. It's for. It's for us. Like I want people yeah. to, to experience that and like it. So, so as a like I don't. I've never smoked any. Like I, I'll be honest. Like that. It's way too time consuming for my attention span. <laughs> Uh, but but man, I love to eat some smoked food. Yeah. So I'm maybe we're the perfect pair to do this, right? <laughs> you spend your day making this food, and I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy it, and I'm gonna let you have the enjoyment of watching me enjoy it. Yeah. So it's, I I don't know that I understand this idea of like I've devoted this day this delicious brisket. I'd rather watch someone like help me understand <laughs> that doesn't com- compute in my brain. Like, I think if I'm going to put the time in, I want to open that thing up and sink my teeth into it right away. Well, but hearing somebody else say, man, this is good, that's the thing, right? Like, that's like, oh, this effort that I put in, like, someone... It's a gratification gives, thing? If I, yeah, if I do it, then what difference does that make? It'd be like, yeah. it'd be like, you know, writing a book and then reading it yourself and being, man, this is really great. Like, that's <laughs> like, I don't know, like, maybe, maybe that happens. I haven't written a book, but... but it's it's really it's there's something else to it and it needs to yeah. be shared it yeah. needs to be shared and hopefully enjoyed you want it to be enjoyed by other people yeah we do this uh i do this thing um in when in warmer months that we call the league of ordinary gentlemen i don't know if i've told you about this yep have i yeah but you should definitely explain okay so the league of ordinary gentlemen i just invite guys from the church over to my house on an evening and I will spend that whole day smoking some sort of a meat and then everyone gets together at my house and we eat the meat, smoke cigars, drink uh, bourbon or whiskey and um, play poker. And I, that might be incredibly, it might be an incredibly sinful evening, I don't know. <laughs> but like Debauchery I have built like <laughs> I've built such good relationships over those things. It's just like community times where we can uh, just enjoy each other's company and get to know each other. It's it's interesting, like how how people can open up in those circumstances and just talk about real life, like actual things that they're yeah. dealing with that you might never otherwise hear yeah. if if we if we aren't sharing an experience and food and drink and yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. So um, so I, I texted you earlier this week before I came here. And said, "Hey, do you want to do you want to 
podcast together and you texted back immediately this this phrase the art of process yeah um and i think that word pairing together struck me explain a little bit what you mean by the art of process and why why or, or maybe how you've seen process change or, or shift in your mind and, and what that means in, in life not just smoking like Maybe this is just a metaphor. Maybe smoking is just a metaphor for a larger understanding of process. But say more about the art of process. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's true. Kind of going back to that uh, delayed gratification thing, we are hurrying a lot. There's always a reason to hurry. Yeah. And so I do think that there's like this, uh, the ability to, to kind of enjoy the in-between point A and point B. Uh, is, is an art and it, it's something that like an art needs to be worked on and fostered uh, the the artist isn't just automatically good at art there's probably talent there but um, but they have to refine those skills mm. over long periods of time yeah. and if you can't like if you don't if you don't like part of the art is enjoying between a and B mm. and if you've ever tried to learn an instrument you understand this because yeah. You, you have to do things that aren't fun yeah. if you're going to get good at it. Uh, and that's that's just working on scales over and over or w whatever, depending on your instrument it is. Um, the, the goal may be to be able to play a piece beautifully, but there the art is the whole thing. Yeah. It's starting off, it's learning and working and pouring into it and then eventually being able to play and perform the piece. And so I think, I think using that word art of process, of enjoying the process, mm. is, is a, a good way to put it. I think what's interesting is you don't, like, you don't always enjoy the process. Yeah. Sometimes you just don't want to have to do the in-between part. Yeah. And, and, and there are plenty of things that I'm not good at enjoying the process yeah. uh, or even even recognizing that I'm in it sometimes. Yeah. It's just you so badly just want to get it done, get it over with, move on to the next thing that that you forget that like, it, it's really, I guess, probably just about being present. Yeah. Like being yeah. present where you're at right now. Yeah. Not worrying too much about tomorrow or fretting too much and caring too much about what you've done, but like being here now. Yeah. yeah. Which I think C.S. Lewis says is like that's where God's at. God is present. Yeah. God's, yeah, God's right, right now. Yeah. So, yeah. being there is being, just with God, like being able to be, be with Him. I love, the phrase the in between time. Like I think that's a really cool way to think about process. Um, I mean, isn't it super easy to think about process? Um, as being the thing that keeps us from the end result or the thing that stands in the way of end result. And if, if, if we could just get through the process, if we could just get through that thing that stands in the way of the brisket, then, then we'll have the brisket. But I, I think for me, when I hear you say the in-between time, that, that feels like a different posture and a different attitude. Why, so let me ask you this, why, why not skip the in-between time, right? If, if, if I can have the brisket, if I can have the old fashioned from the store, if, well, I, I told you this, I, I'm, I'm trying this thing on this mini sabbatical of mine where I go the speed limit in my car. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it, it's, it, it's huge. Like it makes such a big difference. Um, why, why not go 70 instead of 65? Mm -hmm. Like, how would you answer that? Like, why not just skip the in-between? I think the in-between time is where formation happens. I think it's where uh, mm. refinement happens. I think it's where, I think it's where your end result is actually like defined in mm. in the process. So like you might oh. you might want to get to the end and just have the end, but that end might be very weak. It might be very crumbly. Mm. It might be very, mm. it might it might honestly just not be good yeah. without process. Yeah, and. Going back to just kind of the music analogy, we had this opportunity last Sunday to go to the Quad City Symphony Orchestra and they had a world-renowned violinist play. And 
I didn't know what to expect. A, a lot of people can get bored with a symphony orchestra going and listening, and I, I get that. Um, but when she came out and started playing, it was, there was a tangible difference than anything I've ever heard through a radio. Mm. Uh, mm. It was, there was, there was a person in that music mm. and it was absolutely amazing. That doesn't happen without yeah. a lifetime dedication to learning how to make that happen. Yeah. There's a lot of people that can play the violin and play it well and in front of people. But that process that she's put into that, you only get that that result from that process. Yeah. And so that so so sure, like we can we can skip the we can go from A to B and make that process as short as we can make it. Um, mm. But I think oftentimes we we really get something a product that's weak yeah. and less. Yeah, I, the phrase that comes to mind, I don't know who said it. Um, it may be even a C.S. Lewis. Um, this idea of like settling for the good when when we could have great, or, or the, the idea of like this is C.S. Lewis. The idea of eating mud pies. Yeah. Right. Like we, when all we know is the mud pie, we, we settle for the, eating the mud pie instead of the. I don't know the rest of his quote, but you, you know yeah, the quote yeah. I'm talking about, right? Yeah. That that sort of springs to mind is, um, yeah, we really do settle a lot when we just skip the in-between. Our desires are too small. Our desires are too small. That's yeah. the C.S. Lewis quote. Yeah. yeah, our desires are too small. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You said the word sanctification. Mm -hmm. um, we're both pastors. Mm -hmm. um, go there a little bit. I, I, I heard... John Piper once was asked the question, what's the hardest thing about being Christian? Something along those lines. And he said, his words were the painful slowness of my own sanctification. And it stuck with me yeah. almost as like this freeing thing where it's like, oh yeah, like sanctification is a process and it is slow. And there's this, ref again, refinement yeah. that happens yeah. through that process. And uh, God could have us skip the process. He could sanctify all of us to... The point that he wants us right now if he wanted but there's something to that journey of following him and putting our faith in him day to day just that 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 kind of everydayness of mm -hmm. just discipline and praying and listening mm -hmm. and being with him that over time yeah. really creates something um better and eventually eventually one day like that fullness that Paul talks about that right now we don't have. Yeah. That's very much in part. But 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 going through that process of of sanctification is it is painful. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard. Yeah. Like when you talk about refinement, there's a fire that that is part of that process and it hurts, but um but it does create in us maybe a weight of glory would be a way to put it, but the ability then to to stand in the presence of God one day, yeah. um, and so so I I try to keep that in mind on a day to day basis. I fail a lot, but I try. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, the the word wilderness has been pretty live for me in the last six months. I think I mean we talked off podcast a lot about just the the difficulty of the last four or five years of anybody working in vocational ministry. Yeah. Um, I, th I think that idea of wilderness and like there might not be another way to refinement or to sanctification than through wilderness. Like there, there might only be, there might only be things that we can, that we can be refined into or only parts of our lives that can be sanctified through certain wilderness or in, in, words that we started the podcast with process right yeah. like the is wilderness or is is long painful sanctuary like is that comfortable no like is it what we would choose probably not given given an option but maybe that's the only way right yeah. maybe the only way to an amazing juicy smoked brisket is eight hours of sitting and watching the grill maybe there's parts of our sanctification that can only happen through long, slow, painful processes that, that, that we might not choose 
at the beginning of it. Yeah. I mean, I wonder, like, I, I wonder what you would say about this. I think there's so much of my life that I look back on formation-wise and say, I wouldn't trade any of that, right? Uh, but in the moment, I probably would have said, no, I'd oh, much yeah. rather just get me get, out of here. Yeah, yeah, get me out of here. Mm -hmm. I just want to cross the Jordan, right? Like, yeah. I don't want the 40 years, in the, like, I just want to cross the Jordan. Um, but man, on this side of it, like, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Right. I mean, would you say something similar? Yeah. Yeah, I think... I think there's all sorts of, I think part of, I think part of that too is like when you're talking about looking back that way, I think one of the cool things is you get to actually see how God was sit, standing in that fire with yeah. you. Like yeah, that, you good. weren't alone and you might've felt very alone, yeah. but you weren't. Oh gosh, I feel like that's just like such a... How many a, tracks in the sand? I was going to say, I was just totally talking about like <laughs> footprints in the sand. Uh, uh. There were two sets of footprints. <laughs> but... But but there is a reality to that, like, uh, just knowing, like, being able to see later that you weren't alone. Because when you say wilderness, like, my immediate thought is loneliness. Because of yeah. who I am and my yeah. very extroverted personality, like, um, those have been some of the times for me that have been hardest is these times of feeling very alone. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. Like, I... I I am different because of times in my life where I felt very alone. Yeah. I, my, I, th I think a lot of pastors go through kind of those first couple years of ministry, full-time um, ministry, and have a rough go. Yeah. It's not what you expect. It, it takes a different part of you than you knew that you were going to have to give. Like, there's all sorts of stuff that happens. And I look at my first two years doing ministry, doing youth ministry um, in a place that just didn't feel like it, mm. we were a fit at all. And I'm like, I'm like, man, that was rough. And at that time I would have, I, well, I almost did. I almost was like, forget mm. it. I don't want to do ministry. Yeah. I just don't want to do it. Um, God had other plans. And now as I look back, I'm like, well, that was a, that was an incredibly important mm. part of my formation. That was a huge bit of it. Yeah. Uh, that if I hadn't gone through that, things today wouldn't be the same. Yeah. I needed that. Yeah. I needed that difficulty. Yeah. And I'm, I'm now able to be thankful for it. And then sometimes I actually think, if I were to go back there today, it would be a whole different story. Like my approach would have been different. Like yeah. everything would be different, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, which is a good thing too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that I've said this like publicly, but I, you know this, but, but I spent some of my mini sabbatical writing I feel so like bougie saying memoir. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. It's memoir, yeah, say uh, memoir. I mean, like, just like that geisha memoirs of a geisha. <laughs> it's it's actually just like mem that. <laughs> memoirs yeah. of a of a of a pastor. I, I feel like I, I'm I'm I always have this like false like what I one thing I do is like I kind of do this false modesty thing. Yeah. Like I feel super like high and mighty saying I wrote a memoir like a, that, that anybody cares like feels really weird but but I wrote I wrote this memoir of like how God has brought my life to here and there's a particularly hard season uh, for me in a previous church that you and I walked through a ton of stuff in like I look back now and same thing of like gosh I contributed so much to what I thought was just other people like mm -hmm. in the moment it's like Everybody else sucks. I don't suck. Like, I'm the only one not sucking in this situation. <laughs> right. Everybody else sucks. No, like, I sucked. Yeah. I, I mean, that's not No, we, we, like, we Christians, contribute. Christians yeah. have a great capacity to all suck together. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so there, there is this idea of, like, I, I learned, like, yeah, I would go back and be completely different now, but, but I also wouldn't be here without those sort of immature growth moments. Right to, to be able to look back on and say, oh, this is what that process was doing in me, and and maybe it wouldn't like that had to happen, like that that moment of like, oh, I'm being stubborn here, or I didn't give on this situation, or I contributed in this way. Like, I think we need those. We just we need to be able to reflect on it and be honest. Like, I think that's maybe the other piece is like, how do we get to a space where it's okay to 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 name those things? Yeah. Like maybe that's a bigger part of the process is like how do we, how do we get to a space where we can honestly see those moments and, and not apply shame to ourselves and 
not beat ourselves up, but maybe that's a tangent. But, but I think those moments of process and growth, I just don't think we get to where we are today without them. No, no. And I, and I, and I I'm, think I'm at a healthy enough position to say that knowing that and being at this, being here rather than there, helps me think in the future that um, the hurdles are are part of that. So yeah. like not yeah. to be not to fear yeah. them, yeah. not yeah. to fear them. Yep. And yep. I think for a long time you do fear them, and then eventually you get to the point where it's like you don't want them, you don't desire them, yeah. but you recognize that they're coming, yeah. and when they do, they seem maybe just a little smaller yeah. than. Uh, what they yeah. maybe did before. I hope. I, I guess. Yeah. I, I would. I guess that might sound really. Um, uh, I guess high and mighty to to say that. Oh yeah, I can handle whatever comes my way because I know that that's not the case. Like. Yeah. There are some hard things that. But there's I can a difference between handling them and allowing them to form you. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Ha- yes. Yeah. I don't hear you say I'm going to handle them. I, I, what I hear you say is I'm going to at least try to intentionally let them form me the way they need to form me. And and know that behind that is a God that loves me. Yes. Like know that behind those things that there is that I'm not alone, that there's a God who loves me. He's yeah. behind me, he's yeah. he's in front of me, he's next to me, and he is he is for me. He is yeah. he is like whatever whatever comes, like if I know nothing else that I can know that. Yeah. That is what I can know. And I think you you make another important point. It's easy, it's easy for me to feel like, so let's use the brisket analogy. It's easy for me to feel like today, this moment, I'm eating the brisket, right? Like all the previous 15 years of career has gotten me to, to like that's been the process of smoking the brisket and now today I'm gonna eat it. Yeah. We're not eating it. No. We're like, no. We're, we're probably not, we're, we're just not going to eat it. Sometimes I feel like maybe we've reached the stall. Like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> where just, yeah. is it ever going to start cooking? Yeah. The, the process <laughs> continues, right? Yes. Like, I, yes. I think it's easy to, to, to feel like the present is like, oh, we're done smoking. We can start eating. Yeah. And, and certainly I think the, the analogy breaks down a little bit because there's yeah. certainly moments where God allows us to eat and, and yeah, be yeah. joyful and enjoy. There's maybe some appetizers along the way. There's some appetizers. Hey, you know, when I'm smoking yeah. a brisket, I'm not going to lie, I usually will drink a beer or two along the way. Dude, yeah. I mean, the so debauchery in this playlist or in this there's podcast. A, <laughs> there's, there's, some, uh, there's some perks along the way, but, <laughs> yeah. but no, th- we will. We'll be eating that brisket yeah. in yeah. heaven yeah. with all the people. Like, that's the. That's the whole thing. Yeah. And and the chef is God. <laughs> it's going to be a pretty good meal. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. I think this is really great. What, what else do you want to say about process? I, I just think it's important to keep that in mind, to keep these things in mind yeah. as, as we move through it. It's, yeah. it's that, that, that it's not, that the world isn't hinging on, Mm. on any of this that your process is part of something greater it's it's bearing for you something uh, much greater and you're not alone in it and so yeah so 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 be there take it hurt if you have to hurt yeah um but know that know that there's a god who like i said there's a god who's for you and on the other side of all of this is something absolutely amazing yeah it's really good I feel like I could go for an hour and talk about like pro- we are being shaped like this process is happening not because we suck and God tells us we suck and he's going to make us better. He does it out of love. Like I think there's there's often this whole shame piece of like I'm being formed because I'm not good enough right now and 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 then that gets into the idea of like gosh, we can bear fruit even now in the pro- like I feel like we could go down all those tangents. Oh, yeah. yeah. But we would be here for for hours upon hours. Maybe we'll talk about that later over a beer. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, Joel, this is a gift. Um, your friendship is a gift. Um, just getting to sit and talk with you is a gift. It is so enjoyable to be in the same room. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, thanks, Joel. Thank you. Well, in typical date night podcast form, um, even though Joel, you're not a regular, we want we want to just invite you into the 
into the space here like you are. Uh, and this is the part of the podcast we always end with a um, just an invite to tell listeners what what you're reading, what you're listening to, and, and maybe give a give an invite for them to 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 check it out themselves. So Joel, what what are you reading? Sure, I'm reading a book right now called Rembrandt is in the Wind. I'm so glad when you told me about this, I hoped I meant to like ask you to share this one, but I felt like that might be disingenuous. So I'm glad you're sharing <laughs> this one. Yeah, yeah, it's learning to love art through the eyes of faith. It's by Russ Ramsey. This is a topic that I like anyway. This idea of beauty. I like the transcendentals. I like talking about them. Um and I really like beauty because it stirs up love. And um, and I think true beauty, actual beauty, is always pointing to truth, which is Jesus. And uh, so so it's not, we don't have to be afraid of, of beauty. And yeah. uh, this is just a great book that kind of walks you through that process and what it means. And uh, I like art. Um, you and I have you and I have <laughs> shared some experiences with with that. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah, it, it's especially kind of pertinent right now. We had this opportunity to actually see with our own eyes some of these pieces that yeah. that are just have been, have been important to the shaping of the world in yeah. the past. And so, uh, yeah, it's a it's a good book. Russ Ramsey, Rembrandt yeah. is in the wind. Um, I, I want to ask you a whole bunch of questions, but I want to keep it brief. Um, do you do you feel like this? Why is this important to, to think about art and, and as it as it pertains to our faith and discipleship in the church? Why why is that important? Because it feels like the church has maybe strayed a little bit from beauty and art. So so why is it important to kind of go back and retrieve and recover some of that? Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's fair to say not just the church has strayed from it, but like our culture in general has. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Beautiful things point to truth. Yeah. That's, yeah. And, and, and what we know to be true is Jesus. Like we know that Jesus, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is true. Mm-hmm. And we live in a culture now that has just like kind of muddied up the waters and we actually say things like, I mean, what is beauty? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. There is nothing that like for you, like what is beautiful to you is might not be beautiful to me and vice versa. Like all of these things. But I actually do believe that there Mm -hmm. are really beautiful things and that those things are important. The church used to be the main patron of the arts. Uh, yeah. The Reformation happens, and that was yeah. something um, that was maybe an overcorrection from from that. Just in like, there's look, we could go on forever about the history lesson and how art played into the Reformation and all of this stuff. But su- suffice it to say, one of the things that the church I think gave up was its um, its kind of. Uh, voice in these culture wars because when it was the main patron of the arts culture is shaped very much by art yeah music art like all of these the arts in general yeah like culture is very much shaped by those things even today and when when the church was like art bad we need to like it, if it's not pointing us, it's pointing us to idols. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Not saying that they were necessarily wrong. Right. But what happened is we we gave up a a big chunk of our influence in the culture as a church, and um, so I I think it is important for Christians to be concerned about the arts because that's where we have a voice in the shaping of culture, yeah. uh, not necessarily just on podcasts and great sermons. Like the arts are important. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. Cool. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Um, so I want to tell you about a book um, called Resilient Faith. And this, have you heard of this? No. Um, I, I know that title sounds very like 2000s church, um, but it's not. It's written by Jerry Sitzer. Um, and it's all it's all kind of kind of based upon a letter that was written by a random unknown author to a guy named Dionysius in Rome um, in the first century. Um, mm. And the, this unknown author wrote to Dionysius in Rome about this weird third way of living that these mm. Christians are living. That, that there's, there's 
two, two ways of living, the Roman way of like mm -hmm. civil religion, pantheon, every, there, there's just hundreds of gods that, that are worshiped for different things. And then there's the Jewish way that, that is like kind of isolationist, right? Kind of separatist. Um, but then there's this weird third way that these Christians are living. And it's so weird that they like are part of communities and they shop in the same store or they not shop, they buy their stuff from the same markets. They wear the same clothes. They participate in all the same like social things. This is so weird. What is it? Um, and, and then Jerry Sitzer kind of gets into this idea of like, what, what was that that made mm. these non-Christians like not worried about it, not trying to defeat it, but like noticing like this is different. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really, really good. Oh, I would love that. It's so good. Well, you've got such, you've got so much of the church history there anyway. So good, Which I get right? into. But yep, yep. And, and he, it, he expands into like, into sort of the Constantine era yeah. of, of when when Christianity became, mm -hmm. you know, um, allowed and, and the sort of civil religion. But that, like, first century to 315 or whatever when Constantine did that, like, there's so much to glean from there um, about this third way of living and, and how do we... He doesn't get into this, but I sort of come into this, like, how do we recover some of this third way that, that isn't that isn't full assimilation, this sort of Rome, like full, like compromise assimilation. And it, and it isn't this sort of separatist second, like there's gotta be a third way. And how do we, how do we do that faithfully? So Beautiful. It's really good. It's worth a read. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What else you got? Anything, any last words? I don't think so. All right. Thanks, Joel. Thank you. The Date Night Podcast was written and presented by Amber and Kurt. Produced by Kurt and Amber. Intro music and interlude selected by Amber and Kurt. Editing by Kurt and Amber. Logo and thumbnail created by Amber and Kurt. Research and fact-checking done by Kurt and Amber. This has been a production of Amber and Kurt.